0: Welcome to episode 130 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, Dave disappears into another dimension and Mark disappears down a hole in the ground a raccoon put there. The latest results from the Keeleys, that magical time of year, the buff Sonic movie that no one asked for is happening and in our book club this week we talk about some more game of the year nominees it's minute celeste and marvel spider-man let's start the show This is Linkedcast, episode 130, from your friends over at linkcast.eu. Available on all your favorite podcasting platforms Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher. I am your party host, Dave Ryan, joined by the highlight of the night, Old Man Robinson.
1: How are you, my friend? It's the most wonderful time of the year. When I have no time at all to get anything done And I didn't think this one really through Yeah, I'm just, I'm really tired <laughs> Like You
0: started off so strong with that I was like, I'm yeah. fucking, I'm just sitting back in. I'm, I'm on a, a wild ride with this song
1: Well, it's because like, I actually sang the first like line of that song
0: yeah. Um, Teetered quite fucking dramatically then, I must say
1: That's kind of the story of my life Yeah um, <laughs> Here he is. Yeah, there we are. i get the burial one before you. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. you know, things are, things, it's just, it's fucking December, and December is just, it. it's, it is the quickest month of the year, not in terms of, you know, the actual days of the year, but just in terms of, it's the first of December, and then before you know it, it's the next year, because the month just flies by, um, mm-hmm. and during that time, there's like a million things that you're expected to do that just are not logistically possible, but somehow you find time to get most of it done. Um, Yeah, um, it's, what, the 10th already, and I'm already, you know, close to a nervous breakdown, so I'm good, how are you? (laughs) Just to make it worse, Mark, it's the 11th. Oh, Jesus, yeah, wow. (laughs) We're recording this. Oh, I could do with an extra day. You're a
0: day worse off. Not only, um, I'm I'm feeling the burn as well from December, not just from um, work stuff, but also hyping up game of the year which uh i'm just going to do a big plug at the very start of the program while we have everyone's attention Uh, if you go to our twitter that's uh, twitter.com forward slash link to the cast um i actually i should put it up on the facebook as well and i might do that before this show gets posted uh we need your help this year with game of the year ladies and gentlemen if you listen to last year's game of the year proceedings you might have noticed there was uh i think multiple topics including our game of the year that was hopelessly deadlocked and we ended up awarding uh a bunch of awards to two different games now we don't really want to do that unless it's absolutely like oh these games are utterly identical in every way um so to kind of to circumvent that without either dropping somebody off the panel or adding 20 percent more talking when those shows are so long uh what we've decided to do is turn over the tie-breaking vote to you the listener so if you go over and hopefully the Facebook page if I remember to do it. Uh, you can click a link to a Google form where I have put in the short list um, that was compiled by the the four panelists for game of the year myself, Mark, Barry and Jack um i I kind of distilled it down to about 10 to 15 in some cases nominees per category vote for your favorites and in the event where we're deadlocked 2-2 and where no one's gonna budge i will consult which of the final two games has received the highest votes from the listening public and that will be the game of the year um so i would i would really really appreciate if everyone went over there um there's not, there's not really any spoilers on the on the list, is there, Mark? Like we kind of even in the the best story and best moments category, we stayed very vague on the way I describe things.
1: No, I think, um, I mean, if you have any like insight or any kind of real grasp of uh, or a passion for video games or whatever, like most of the stuff on there is going to be stuff that you would expect to see in there. I yeah, presume, I'd hope. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, um, we're although, doing our
1: jobs right, anyway. Yeah, all that. I mean, yeah, it, it should be fine. I, I can't see any complaints. I had a few complaints today. From um, I sent out the uh, the list, the form to uh, some people at work, and they were questioning the the lack of certain uh, things. <laughs> and One was, in particular. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's just like, look, there were four people. We put our suggestions in. Vote for these or don't vote for them. I'm not forcing you to.
0: That's your yeah. choice to to be fair there's there's like a couple of th- the lists were considerably bigger when i received eaved the all four nomination lists uh, from us the hosts and it was kind of just a kill your darlings moment of having to strike off a bunch of stuff and i think the fairest way to do it was these are this is stuff that maybe deserves an honorable mention when we're recording the show but stuff that i i honestly can't see getting enough love to win so i might as well throw that off i tried to leave only stuff that i would consider genuine contenders or stuff we really can't not mention um so yeah there's gonna be some people that like you said because you can't please everybody um there's gonna be some people that are like oh what the fuck is this missing uh from the list you know um hey like once you filled out the form if you feel that we have it layering a mission tweet in and we'll include it in the honorable mentions uh, or or just
1: start your own podcast and there you go
0: (laughs) no no we want people listening to this one mark
1: (laughs) for god's sake (laughs)
0: Um, but yeah yeah go over to the Twitter account at link to Cast on Twitter it's the pinned tweet at the top of the page uh, I'll leave it there until we've recorded game of the year and I'll leave it open until right before we go on the air for game of the year so if it's closed and you've gotten to it it's because we've already recorded game of the year but uh, we appreciate all your help uh in doing that and tell a friend as well retweet the link uh we've got some good feedback so far some really interesting stuff coming out that i'm probably gonna put into its own article by itself um at some stage because um some votes are not going the way i would have necessarily thought but anyway uh, uh all that plug aside mark things are going pretty well um the my my office is back in working order pretty much we were um, just talking i'm about so happy
1: for you I know,
0: man. I felt, I really felt like, in a way, homeless because it's kind (laughs) of, it's like not only my space that I used to record the show, and God, it's invaluable that I have that space because, you know, it used to be, as you well remember when you lived here, we used to record in the sitting room. And that was kind of, you know, we were beholden on hoping that the tumble dryer or the washing machine was not being used. Otherwise, that would be basically the third host on the podcast uh, because of our microphones. um so having my own space up here is great for that. And also <clears throat> kinda of at the end of a day, um, when like the dog is put to bed and everything like that, and I'm I'm kind of a night owl myself as well, you know. Um I, I like to come in and this that's when I get my, my prime video game playing time is at night. And just have that space where like I have all my shit. And all my consoles are hooked up and, and just to get to relax, like especially if it's been a stressful day in work, is uh is invaluable. So it's it's nice. <laughs> I feel much more comfortable uh back here now. Um yeah, yeah. Other than that, like I don't know if I have much to report. Um I haven't really seen anything or done anything. Oh, I did get uh and it was supposed to be a Christmas present, but I ended up being a sorry, the dog was a nightmare all weekend present i got batman the animated series on blu-ray
1: so you just got an early christmas present then
0: <laughs> yeah essentially <laughs> um it's a really cool little set now i haven't i, I intended to start watching it uh, last night but i left it downstairs and i wasn't going downstairs and risking waking up the dog yet again um so i've kind of only just got to look at it i'll probably start watching it this evening but it's, it's a really nice well put together set with like i'm just thumbing through it now it's a it's a 12 disc set with like like animation on the inside kind of like telling you obviously the contents of everything and then as well as there being a heap of extras by the look of it and kind of the the most important episodes having directors or or actors commentary on it there's also the inclusion of the two batman animated series movies mask of the phantasm which a lot of people will say is still the best batman movie uh, and Batman and Mister Freeze Sub Zero, which is uh, the kind of follow up on Heart of Ice, which I think is a lot of people's favourite episode of the animated series. But uh, yeah, you you were a huge fan of that back in the day, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I've not watched it in years, but um, I definitely, uh, as a as a young child, um, that was really like my first proper introduction to. Uh, Batman, because um, I actually didn't see the original Batman or Batman Returns until years later. So Batman Forever would have been the first film that I saw. Uh, so it's kind of a jarring kind of juxtaposition between that and the animated series, which I think popular consensus would be still is the the best you know adaptation of the source material to this day. Um, and you know, a large part of that is down to Mark Hamill's performance as the Joker, among many other things. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I, I haven't again. I haven't watched it in years, and um, I, I feel, I feel that uh, hopefully in the new year I can come around mm-hmm. a week and we can just kind of binge-watch through a lot of that.
0: Not only that, but like we've got a, a stack of five <laughs> W G Blu-rays that need yeah. to be attended to at some point.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to find some time for that
0: yeah indeed we'll get you to come over for a weekend because the spare room is now nearly done as well or as it's being affectionately referred to jack's room
1: which yeah pop in huge. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: because he's the one who has probably stayed in it the most since you guys moved out sure. and as well as that he's been like eagerly uh te- texting me asking for updates on how his room is getting along <laughs> so i think it's unoffici it's unofficially jack Lazell's room in the house and he will return in february and f- i i'm i'm going to try record a podcast while i'm in the same room as him <laughs> uh-huh i've never got to do that and i still have brian left his mic here when he moved out so i have a two mic set up for the studio if i wanted to but uh yeah that's uh, enough real world stuff so i think
1: basically <laughs> you just announced when the next popcorn social will be
0: <laughs> we watch this space my friend yeah uh... we've we've we have two uh, episode concepts in the works at some stage. One of them definitely won't be until the new year, um, but we're, we're hoping to try and get a Christmas special out okay. um, at some stage. It may require me to record uh, an additional podcast the night after having recorded game of the year, um, which I'm not going to enjoy. Uh, <laughs> it may be like a three to four podcast week for me that week, uh, which, yeah, that's going to be rough, but, you know. I, I i suffer for my art mark <laughs> uh on that note should we talk about some video games let's do line this week hey check it out i learned the baseline from final fantasy 2 scott you are the salt of the earth Well, oh, thanks i meant scum of the earth thanks Mark, I have been excited for the last two or three days because I realized what you were going to be talking about on the show this week. You started playing uh, a game that I was harping on at you about when it came out maybe bit two months ago. I can't remember what day it exactly came out on. Um, but you've been playing Donut County.
1: Yeah, I figured... Uh... There was a few things I want to play before we do our end of year show, and uh, there, there is no fucking way Red Dead Redemption was going to be uh, a game I could I could get in in that time, you know? So yeah. I figured I'd look to one of the, the small pieces of content I could get through, and you know, I, since you had spoken about it, uh, Donut County was saying I was going to get my hands on at some point. Um, now, what platform did you play on again? uh ps4 Yep, yeah, same so usually i would play um in this kind of this kind of content this kind of game i probably would usually play um the, the mobile version because uh, it's the kind of game i feel that you get the the real kind of authentic experience with it but i i picked up on ps4 just because i r- reminded myself that i need to play this game so uh, i've been playing on ps4 as well um what a just a wonderfully dumb fucking game you know um <laughs> yeah it's like i don't think that uh it's a game that realistically i would put in you know like my top five favorite games of the year but it's kind of what's the it's like it's it's one of those things where it's like it's your, it could be your favorite game of the year though you know it's not the best game of the year um, yeah, yeah because it's such a just a one... It's, it's what
0: it's what we, uh, the 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 shorthand that you and I tend to use for these games uh, when we do Game of the Year is our passion projects. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the games we know haven't a fucking hope of winning uh, in certain categories, but we just, our mission is to push it as far up the list as just possible. Just fly,
1: fly the flag as proudly as possible. Yeah. So,
0: I, I think certainly before you get into it, I, I will say, um, I, I think if there was a funniest game category,
1: I think this would win it hands down that is one of the things coming out of this um, is that the humor and the the writing in general um, because writing and, and humor in video games um, certainly if you don't have you know like a professional writer on board because um, you know a lot of indie video games you're talking you know a few people are working on that project and you don't have the the money and the resources to to hire a professional writer. Um, And I think about something, like the game that always comes to mind is Undertale, and the fact that, you know, that was one game created by Toby Fox, by himself, and the the writing in that game is is incredible, and I've never looked into um, kind of what his background is, and I imagine one day there'll there'll be, you know, a, a massive documentary that discusses him and that game in general, But you know that still is for me genuinely like one of the funniest games I've ever played, and as some of the best writing I've ever seen. In that, it's um, you know so subversive of of the genre, um, and it hits all of those kind of elements of dry humour that I look for, um, but never. But. still doesn't kind of pat itself on the back like yeah i know i'm funny and, and donut county kind of does to a similar degree a similar thing um and a lot of it is just based on the fact that um, one of the main characters is this raccoon uh called bk <laughs> who's <laughs> just
0: just an absolute garbage fire <laughs> he Really, is. like like i i know like. They they call raccoons in the states. They sometimes call them trash pandas. Yeah. Never
1: has it been more appropriate. Yeah, he absolute trash panda who very much cannot see uh, the like his destructive tendencies, and in fact will do anything to kind of turn it around and say, "No, you should be thanking me that you know your house is in the ground now because yeah. now you have all this spare time for whatever else." Yeah, he uh, thinks it's super weird that people are calling him out on us. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly, um, and. So like it's so I've only played it for about um, two and a half hours or so, maybe a little bit less. Um, the general premise of the game, for anyone who didn't listen when Dave originally spoke about this game, uh, you have the the story uh, is kind of set uh, somewhere after events have transpired, and then the actual gameplay is kind of like a, a kind of flashback to whatever story is being told at that present moment in time. Um, so you have a, a group of people uh, sitting around a campfire. And they're basically all saying, BK, you fucking idiot. Why did you trash my house, caravan, garden, whatever else? And B.K. saying, I didn't do that. And eventually, she's like, well, I did do that, but you should thank me for it. And then the uh, actions uh, kind of play out. that You play as this hole. And the simple idea is <laughs> yeah. you start off as a tiny hole... And you find things that you can make fall into the hole, and then that hole becomes bigger. So you can find bigger things to fall into the hole. Um, And eventually, puzzle mechanics, as ridiculous and as simple as that concept is, eventually, puzzle mechanics actually get introduced, and it's all kind of that... uh, uh, Trial by error kind of formula, but they're like there's no real way to fail. You just kind of keep going until you figure out like okay, right, so I have this water that i've I've put into the hole, and now I need to go over to this bird that will drink the water and empty the where the water was before, so I can carry on doing whatever else um, and there's just really kind of very simple but dumb puzzle mechanics like that um, and so I imagine. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Dave, that it will it, it's a lot of that and just kind of escalating on that theme um, yeah. for the duration of the game with the escalation as well of BK being an absolute shy hawk and not accepting responsibility for the, the chaos he's caused. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I'll say
0: you play one level, you've essentially played the game in terms of mechanics. It sure. doesn't get too wildly complicated. Um much more than the the initial level it, you're you're not there because it changes radically uh, throughout you're, you're there because of uh, like you said the, the humor and the style and, and and all this it's um yeah it's just a special little experience and it's one of those it's it's quite short I would say that even at two two and a half hours
1: you're probably nearing the end I yeah. would say um and what I, what I like about it as well is um so with each level there's uh there's like a character uh and they're all um anth this is a word i'm never good with anthropomorphic am i anywhere close to that anthropomorphic yeah, yeah. anthropomorphic yeah that's the one uh creatures um and so, you know, they all have their their lifelike human tendencies about them. Uh, but the thing mm. is, is they don't actually kind of react too much to the hole around them. They have, like, maybe one kind of thing that they do where if the hole comes towards them, they may kind of pull the blinds up, which is made all the more hilarious when you just fucking suck the whole entire house into the hole anyway. But yeah. I, I like the the fact that the ragdoll physics don't go too much it's because it, they're very, very stoic, very just kind of not really paying attention to the hole at the point when they actually kind of fall into the hole and it just adds an extra level of humour to it I don't know Um, it's it's a very light, dumb thing that was born out of a fucking tweet of all things Um, so for anyone that wasn't aware um, basically there's um, a a joke Twitter account um, that's uh, called Peter Molyneux which is a, a joke on Peter Molyneux for anyone that doesn't know And it just posts game ideas. Uh, And one of them was simply, you play as a hole in the ground, and that's it. Uh And I love the fact that that is pretty much it. You know, it doesn't go too much further than that, other than adding a few little things here and there um, by, like, having a fire in this hole, this apparently bottomless hole that still can actually hold a fire as well. Uh, Yeah. isn't much more to say in it. I don't think it's a kind of thing where I, I think the soundtrack actually uh, should be mentioned. I, the the sound, soundtrack yeah. is wonderful. Uh, yeah, it perfectly comp- complements uh, the tone and feel of the game, um, mm. and I think that will definitely be if it's going to be anywhere in terms of uh, uh, for serious debate with our uh, reward, uh, awards. I think that uh, soundtrack um, may be where uh, we hear the most about this game.
0: Mm absolutely I, I don't think i'm gonna dwell too much longer on it. i gave my full thoughts because i think i bought it and completed it in the same day um when i got it so i kind of gave my my full thoughts at the time so we'll, we'll move on um and talk about what i've been playing and mark i have stepped into a new and somewhat say virtual reality in these past couple of weeks um thanks to barry uh i ended up cracking on the black friday deals and i got playstation vr ah you've
1: joined the virtual world
0: indeed and look i i always went down on record as saying it at the price point that the headsets were at when they all started launching it wasn't for me if they came down to the right price and there was the right kind of killer app i i could be persuaded um, that app came along, unfortunately, a good while before the price dropped. So I was sitting around for a good nine months or so going, I really want to play super hot VR, but I don't want to pay that kind of money. So it came down, a, a pretty good bundle came down under 200 quid for Black Friday. So I bit. Um, first thing I'll say about PlayStation VR is there is a fucking lot of setup to this mark. Uh-huh. There is. Talk talk me through it. Actually, I'm going to open the drawer right beneath my workstation here because all the VR gear. I have a VR drawer now. That's how much gear there is. So there's a little breakout processor box that has a HDMI cable, a USB cable, uh, and a power cable into it so what you have to do is instead of leaving your PlayStation directly connected into the HDMI port on your TV. Now you have to connect the TV to the breakout box and the breakout box back to the PlayStation. Uh, the USB port goes from, um, the back of the breakout box into the front of the PlayStation. Uh, I think, (laughs) yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, then your other USB port on the front of the PlayStation is what your is it what the VR headset plugs into. Oh no, so the VR headset plugs into the breakout box as well. Um, but yeah basically and it's it, like it's just a whole thing where there's a box, there's a bunch of wires running and out. You have to kind of unhook your normal setup for the PlayStation to hook up the 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 VR. Uh, then additionally there's it it works with the PlayStation camera. So if you didn't already have one of those, one comes with the kit. Uh, one thing I will say about the, the the PlayStation camera that comes with the kit is that it comes with this really cool flexible stand that the the standalone PS uh, PlayStation camera doesn't have, and it would have been really fucking handy uh, if it had come with it. But however, um, the the process of kind of like calibrating the system isn't nearly as arduous as I would have expected. Uh, it's essentially just do you remember how you would calibrate the eye toy Uh,
1: no I never used the eye toy oh did you
0: not yeah so the eye toy just had the thing where the camera was pointed at you and you just had to make sure you were standing roughly in the silhouette of the person And then you basically do the same thing with the move controllers if you have them. Now, not all VR games require you to use the move controllers, so it's not a make or break deal. But for like super hot VR and a couple of things, think of anything that involves a lot of you using individual hands to do things um those will probably be the ones that require you to use the playstation move so to calibrate them they'll just basically show circles on the screen and you just get the light on the top of the move to fill the circle kind of the same way you were doing with yourself in the silhouette Uh, and then you're kind of good to go so what have i played i played two games now i did get astrobot rescue mission which now that i have my office back up and running i need to start playing because uh that that's going to be talked about during game of the year uh but i have played tetris effect and super hot vr so um i'll I'll talk about tetris effect first um did we talk about tetris effect on this show uh i don't think we have actually so not with me anyway okay so you know i love a tetris game mark sure i really enjoy tetris um so Tetris effect comes out and I start hearing all this stuff about how it's like this kind of mind bending chill fucking like living inside a lava lamp VR experience. I was like, okay, okay. (laughs) Um, this sounds cool. Uh, but I didn't have VR at the time. Then I found it, it actually didn't require VR necessarily. So I'm like, okay, happy enough with that. So I I got the I got Tetris Effect started playing it kind of the the vanilla version, uh the vanilla version of it, and do you know like even as a just a standalone game without VR, it's really cool and it's really chill.
1: Yeah, so I've heard um, from some people that um like even regardless of the VR, just the game itself is just this incredible experience, um and like the VR doesn't actually add too much really, um. Yes and no.
0: Um, what I will say is just a game, whatever level of immersion you decide on, whether it's just shock and uh, TV screen or whether it's a VR headset, uh, I have alternatively described this. I, I kind of flit between two descriptions of it. And it's the video game equivalent of having a nice massage okay. for right. the brain. Or it's the video game equivalent of... Now, I, I will say... I have never done any drugs in my life. But I imagine this is what the good ones are like. Yeah? Yeah. Like, it's spacey. And what I love about it, so for anyone who hasn't seen any videos of Tetris Effect, the way the the music in particular, and you want to talk about games that are coming up in the soundtrack category, you better believe Tetris Effect is, because what it does is the music in the game is timed to both uh you clearing lines and you just fitting pieces into your, your Tetris puzzle down at the bottom. So you might get a like um a single cymbal crash or a single bass drum kick or a single kind of pluck of a guitar or a press of a piano key, depending on the level uh, when you put a piece down. But what will happen is once you either clear a line or clear a certain number of lines, another layer will be added on to the the soundtrack so it might be like oh i've cleared two or three lines all of a sudden i clear this line and the percussion section comes in and by the end of the level the if you depending on the the difficulty and stuff when it speeds up there are moments in a level when you're on kind of intermediate or, or higher difficulty where it will speed up with the 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 will go up for a while and if you can kind of keep the t- keep the the puzzle at bay and not die it will slow back down right towards the end so it's kind of like as you're clearing lines it builds to this massive crescendo and it's it's frantic and the the rhythm gets faster and faster and then just as you're about to ease out of that level onto the next one it just kind of chills you back down and then each level has its own kind of unique art style and slightly different composition And it's just you will literally lose a couple of hours at a time just kind of just relaxing and you'll find yourself drawing in deeper and deeper breaths, and just kind of melting into your chair as you're doing it. It's it's like what you you might pretentiously call a transcendent kind of experience. And then even though in some ways I completely get that maybe you wouldn't think that that VR would add that much. And in terms of, like, obviously you can hear the music clearly without VR, you can see the effects on the screen clearly without VR, but the one argument I will make for it in VR over standard is that idea that even more so than, you know, going along the lines of this idea of it as being like a massage or like the good drugs, by putting on the VR headset, you're essentially doing sensory deprivation from the outside world, so you are utterly completely 100% focused on this chill experience. And there's nothing like you're not looking around away from the TV. You're not checking your phone, you know, you're not moving around or fidgeting. You're just in it. And it kind of, it, it draws you in even more. Um, I'd be very curious because i on, on the long list of things to do. The next time you call over, I want to get you into Tetris Effect VR, um, it is it is something else and i I didn't think i said this in our little group chat for the show that i honestly didn't think that in 2018 uh i'd be putting a tetris game on my game of the year list uh nor did i think it would be in so many categories and i didn't i also didn't think it would be the second tetris game in as many years because i checked my short list from last year and puyo puyo tetris was on it so tetris it's it's back (laughs) i guess
1: um the, the They've book. really missed a trick, though, by um, not having what was it? It was King of Tetris. We watched um, uh, the Ecstasy of Order, the Tetris Masters. Yeah, they missed a the trick by not having some sort of PR mm-hmm. event with that.
0: Indeed, we we had a book club on that. If we people certainly did check check it out, if they're interested in. Um, in tetris i know i certainly am um the the other game mark i i've played i've been getting a lot more red dead played because um it's a game that is it is a game i have heard this yeah but it's a game that's i know you haven't played it yet at all have i haven't you? played a
1: single minute of it
0: yeah so it's a game that it's it's dividing people um uh at and i completely sympathize with both sides of this because i i am kind of as you know mark generally speaking i can i can look at these things quite objectively um and there are a lot of things i like about uh, a lot of things i love about the game and then there are things that whereas i may in some way wish that they were done slightly differently it's not necessarily a, a a deal breaker for me so it's not like the game is violently broken in any way like say fallout 4 was when it came out and i just completely stopped playing
1: i mean you don't have all fallout, but, fallout 4 considering there's a new fallout game which is yeah. significantly more broken
0: indeed um but that's just because i haven't played 76 4 was the one that i actually tried to play and just couldn't for a couple of years um but red dead is like it's a beautifully made and crafted game and it's 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 unbelievably impressive and a staggering technical achievement but there are just some things in it that i think the cumulative effect of them has turned people off and the the kind of slow pace of the game uh down to the fact that your your very movement is just very slow just considered and even when you're going at a sprint in the game. It's not that fast. The game is meant to be... I, I'm assuming it's a deliberate design choice to kind of make you take in the world a bit more, make it the kind of slow-west experience as opposed to GTA with horses. And, you know, I completely respect that that artistic choice. Uh, it's Like I said, it's not been a game-breaker for me because usually I play my games to relax. I'm not trying to belt through it as quickly as possible. It's not been that much of a bother to me. But kind of related to that... Everything in the game has its own systems and to a lot of people and I would agree with the idea that a lot of the, the mechanics they have around these systems are very circuitous. There is, There has to be more direct ways to do things. So for example, Mark, if you're in someone's house and you happen to decide, hey, I'm going to rob this house as you are wont to do in the West. If you go to say a dresser that may have a big press on the top and a few drawers on the bottom. You have to hold down square each time you want to open an individual press or drawer. And then once you've opened the press, you then hold down X. It could be a different button, but just for example, say hold down X to actually search in that press. So it kind of, you know what I mean? That's something that in GTA, if you were to search through a press, you'd maybe hit square once and like there'd be a kind of three-second animation of your hands moving really quickly, and then your inventory would just be full with the things that you found. Uh, Here, going through one press could take you 20, 25 seconds to get through all parts of it. So it's just that kind of, it could have been one button, but you turned it into a thing that's taking longer. I can totally see why people are kind of, ugh on that immersion Um,
1: dave
0: yeah yeah it's a lot around the the immersion thing so people like brian who just crave the immersion uh, and the rpg elements of these kind of games it's no problem to him and he probably can't see past anything but red dead as a mortal lock for game of the year i think it's a much more nuanced and difficult discussion than that because of the uh, the aforementioned people bouncing off factor um, it's going to be interesting to see how that discussion goes, uh, because I think we have pretty much—I won't give away who's in what position—but I think we have pretty much the full spectrum of opinions you can have on that game, from not played all the way up to love it. <laughs> um, so that's going to be an interesting one for for every category. Um, but I, I've got—I'm near the end of the game now, and I'm I'm at the point where I'm going to i'm going to get to the end there's two epilogues <laughs> to the game uh but i feel based on what everyone's saying is like once i get to what happens at the end i should be in a good enough and qualified position to say where it's going to land on my personal list for the year and then by the says of it, the epilogue is just kind of a, a nice seasoning on top then and I'll, I'll do that in my own sweet time um but yeah a, a really interesting game um that kind of is is really dividing critics and players alike uh, i think
1: well i'll let you know my thoughts in it in about six months time
0: <laughs> it might take to, it to may take you six months to play the fucking game once you start so uh, yeah let's talk about game of the year next year it might be your game of not
1: 2019
0: <laughs> uh right into the news Mark, uh we we've seen things like this happen before um but i think on this occasion it seems to be taken a bit more seriously and that is that epic games are uh launching a store and a launcher to rival steam um now obviously uh members of the glorious pc gaming master race will be well aware that there are different launchers and different things like that on the market. We've seen them come and go. Um there's never really been a serious competitor to Steam. It it's just it's it's so dominant. It's got such a stranglehold on the market. Um but this like I said, this time this time might be different. Um Epic is it's it's coming out with a strong hand, isn't it?
1: Well, I mean Epic are uh, as as financially secure as they've ever been with all of that sweet, sweet Fortnite money and yeah. uh, I mean if anyone's going to take a stab at uh, at the Valve monopoly to um, you know, create a more um, a more open marketplace for digital content and, and PC games and indie games and whatever else uh, you know epic are in the position to do that and we've seen yeah like even stuff like fucking discord have their own uh game store now but the problem with the the problem that anyone has with taking on valve is that um when you think of downloading a game uh, you know you you don't even think of it as I'm going to download a game on my pc you, you do most of the time or for me I like I think of just I'll download a game on steam you know um and it's epic have to kind of break through that and one of the ways they're going to have to do that is by uh having their own exclusives you know having games that you can only get on one platform um i don't know if that means you know specifically that i don't know if that means that they're going to pull people away from um valve um you know there are those that aren't happy with uh, certain practices with valve and it, it's this real kind of interesting one too in terms of timing between Epic announcing their store and then Valve announcing that uh, Steam will take a lesser cut of revenues from games that sell 10 and 50 million worth of copies, uh, which is very much a kind of the rich, keep getting richer sort of thing, which, yeah. as you can imagine, pissed off a lot of people and pissed off Went a lot Went of... over like a fart in church. Yeah. So, you know, it, it'll be... I don't know how much of an impact that will have on the players, but in terms of... Uh, indie developers, um, or you know, developers with a, a, a much smaller target in terms of their finances, that they, that they're just their targets they expect to hit. Um, if Epic make these incentives more lucrative for them, if Epic can get the install base to the point that it, it's worth worth indie developers or developers in general making that move across, that's where you know things could get really interesting. Yeah absolutely it's
0: it's definitely I, I think it's almost like using something out of the the valve playbook uh going in with the kind of the not not only the mindset to try and take yourselves a big slice of the pie but also the idea that you're coming in like you said with your own exclusives um and much in the way that valve kind of came in up to that point had been this kind of uh prolific developer of some of the most kind of beloved games of of the time uh, it's timely that we're actually talking about Valve, considering NoteClip just dropped that huge Half Life documentary a couple of days ago that I still need to watch. Yeah, but, same. Uh, being able to take the li- the the likes of Half Life and go, well, if you want to play these games on PC, this is where you're going uh, from here on out. Uh, really helped them get that that foothold and and start to to get that mind share of PC gaming. And yeah, I think. I'm always wary of uh when a force in an industry becomes a monopoly. And I think uh up until that up until now, uh, as convenient as, as Steam is, I, I I never really cared for the idea that it was effectively. I know there are, like I said, other launchers, other services, but really it was the, the only game in town. Um so I think in the long run competition is healthier uh not only for the players but for the like you said the developers that perhaps this might um this this might nudge valve uh into uh freeing up uh a bit more of that cut for the developers uh lower down on the food chain uh because i think as soon as epic launcher starts getting all these um and their store starts getting all the cool indie games and it's it's perception is everything and as soon as the the epic store is seen as the place all the cool games are that's gonna be serious trouble for yeah. for steam then
1: and we've got a couple exclusives locked in um i think one of the more interesting ones is super meat boy forever has been uh, announced. yes i'd say that one uh went
0: off on your radar
1: it certainly did um also, the uh, new roguelite from uh, developers of Pyre, a game called Hades. Um, that will be interesting to see. Uh, as well as the developers of Goat Simulator. Now, I'm, I'm curious to know kind of what reach Goat... I mean, you know, everyone knows what Goat Simulator is. I don't know exactly how many people played Goat Simulator. I think it was more <laughs> of a thing that people just watched on whatever streamer's uh, channel of choice. Um, but still, We played it, didn't we? Uh, yeah, I think we played it for a, for a, a hot, hot. I de- I, def- I definitely own it. I I'm I'm sure it must have been what you I played it. I mean it's probably like two quid on the Valve store at this point. So <laughs> yeah. um, on Steam, sorry, on the Valve store. Um, <laughs> but you know, they still have some punch. They have some reach. So yeah, it's it's interesting that we've had. Oh yeah, this. It's, it's
0: not going to be an overnight. Uh, they've taken over the industry thing. But no, it's
1: a no strong start. But um, but you know why they still have all of that Fortnite money coming in. Um, What would be really interesting to see, because... Well, probably they wouldn't do anything now at this point, but it'd be interesting to see at some point if Epic decided, you know what, we're pulling Fortnite from uh, Valve, uh, or from Steam, and um, you can only get it on the Epic launcher.
0: Yeah, you would uh, would have to think
1: if for example if if
0: fortnite uh stays the the biggest game going i think maybe the first step is like timed exclusive dlc you know like uh microsoft do at minecraft at the moment yeah uh and then i think yeah whenever there's I'll a... tell you, like
1: fortnite's not even on steam anyway so just ignore me ah it's <laughs> yeah epic have their own launcher well i didn't don't don't know why i didn't think of that so yeah, yeah. i'm just stupid <laughs> well disregard so yeah there you go. Um, but yeah, strong start
0: for for Epic Games, and you know, I'm not rooting for a big corporation or anything. Like that. I'm just rooting for competition in the industry, which I think is is healthy, as I said in the in the medium and long run. Uh, moving on from that, Mark, it, it's that time of the year where the the Michael Buble of video games is dug up to do his <laughs> song and dance number, uh, Jeff Keeley. <laughs> and the oh, game awards—that's a new
1: one. I like that. <laughs> thought I might pop you with that one. What, what, um, what kind of brand of beige can we come up with? And Michael buble is—that's <laughs> yeah. All right, fair play. I'll, I'll make bubbles. Um, so yeah, the the game awards,
0: affectionately referred to on this program as the Keelies, happened last. Was it last Thursday night? uh, uh No, uh, some. It was. A, it was on a work night. Basically. I know because I fell asleep. Uh, i just it. i just remember uh, everyone, to
1: the program i just remember like all game journalists that i could think of that were in the uk were tweeting until about five o'clock in the morning and then like yeah, yeah i'm gonna got me up in two hours and i was like huh, huh. yeah i don't envy that yeah. job
0: i think it was thursday night friday morning it started at like 2 a.m which i don't remember it starting that late before but i could be wrong um did you watch much of it this year um and if you did what did you think of the whole show Cause I, have a, I haven't uh, watched I... a
1: single second of it i have just i read up on the uh the winners and i read up on and watched uh, all of the trailers and announcements but in terms of actually watching okay. the show itself i not a second okay so um
0: like it is a very kind of commercialized affair um and that's down to the fact that these what were they called? They used to be called the VGAs, the Video Game Awards. Uh, they were on Spike TV every year, and that really helped, kind of, uh, kind of pay for things. So now that it's an independent thing that was streaming on some ridiculous amount of different services, um, last week, kind of Keely has to foot his own bill. So, uh, as disgusting as product placement and constant cuts to advertisers and sponsors can be, you kind of understand why it's there. And I will say of the sponsorship shills that you see around uh, on various platforms. I will say Jeff Keeley is one of the more artful people at it. Like I don't ever find myself being terribly annoyed at the way he does it. Like I know he's kind of doing his used car salesman bit. But at the same time, I can kind of go well. Look, like I know I know why he has to do it. You have to kind of dance with the devil for for to have this really nice show, and you know it, it's coming from a place where he genuinely wants this to become basically the Oscars of video games. Yeah, and- I,
1: the, the thing with with him as well is you can tell that there's a, a genuine passion and love for video games, and I think mm. that um, with anything, um. You know, video games are uh, as big of an industry as you can get, and mm-hmm. there's still this weird thing in that they are mainstream, but they're still not mainstream. You know, yeah. Um, and they're they're one of the few mediums where it's that real fucking weird balancing act, or that wave that it it dances through. In that, you know, Fortnite will appear on the front of uh, the sun because it's ruining uh, children, um, but then also. You know, just uh, has no actual impact. But, you know, my granddad was talking about flossing last week, so, I mean, fucking... Well,
0: it's good for good dental
1: hygiene. Yeah, sure. Yeah, something like that. So, um, but then you have stuff like this, the, the Video Game Awards, where it's still, you know, to the, the the greater outside world. it It's barely a blip on the radar. Um, and so for the, the person or the people that are kind of front and center that kind of stuff like if I'm going to have someone to be that person I'd rather have someone who isn't a complete fucking embarrassment and I think that yeah. Jeff Keeley is you know perfect for that
0: yeah, and it's 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 usually been much worse in the past for these kind of things when they get someone from the outside with a bit of kind of like real world credibility in. Like when I was on Spike and Joel McHale used to host it, who's a guy I I, I quite like because I love Community, but this is a guy who clearly wasn't a big video game guy and would just come in and read the tone of the room completely wrong and just be making fun of people like the developers and the games and shit. So. Yeah, having Keely as someone with a genuine passion for the industry where, you know, this this whole ceremony is his baby. Like you can kind of feel the the enthusiasm radiating off him. Um, and as well, I, I kind of I love, as with all these uh, award shows, the kind of awkward combination of people who aren't used to speaking in front of live audiences uh, and genuine celebrities that you don't know who. Like, do they know where the bodies are that they managed to get this person on board? Um this year, the notable celebrities included Jonah Hill and my my favourite one that I didn't necessarily see coming, Christoph Waltz. <laughs> sure, why not? Who came out, now I know it was as part of the, like the Alita Battle Angel PR um, tour that they're doing at the moment. Uh, but still, you know, like, <laughs> it was weird seeing Academy Award winner Christoph Waltz there doing his thing not probably not having a fucking breeze what he was talking about but you know he's he's there
1: all the same in um, the community you know
0: yeah yeah we had a bunch of different announcements at this show as well so we had our first trailer for psychonauts 2 um we had the announcement oh, this completely popped me that the uh, stanley parable is getting uh, a console release with new endings and paths and stuff like that
1: do you know what? i genuinely f- just figured that the stanley parable was on consoles anyway you know
0: it feels like one of those that you probably missed coming to consoles, yeah, but yeah, it hadn't, and I'm I'm quite happy to get more of it, uh, and an excuse to play it again, so happy for that.
1: Do you uh, know where well, that'll be perfect, Dave? On Switch? Yeah, how do you know?
0: Speaking of Switch, there was also some stuff for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, uh, including the announcement of the first... Uh, dlc character which is joker from persona 5 and what i thought was a really cool little trailer i think like the way they do these challenger approaching videos are like the they're the best kind of fall into your lap kind of pr that nintendo have ever done where it's just like oh we have 50 whatever characters pretty much every like dlc character or surprise character is its own trailer that's going to create hype on the internet it's ingenious and yeah, Persona 5 is a game that's on my it's on my pile of shame I love the aesthetics of it, I've played the very start of the game, really liked it but it's one of those things where Persona games require a lot of hours and a lot of kind of getting used to the systems, the way the game works so I just haven't committed that yet but uh, yeah, cool little trailer for that Um, we had a trailer for Rage 2 uh, for PUBG um, more Anthem uh some newly announced games uh including among trees which i think is a really interesting looking little game hades that's the the new super giant game isn't it yeah from the makers of that bastion and transistor
1: yeah that was mentioned earlier there um that's going to be on the epic store
0: Mm, yes um stranger things game uh one that probably piqued your interest mark mortal kombat 11
1: (laughs) did you watch the trailer for that
0: I did, and did you see Ed Boone's tweet about
1: it? I did, I did. <laughs> because I think
0: this is the one that's going to get us the E for everyone rating, and the best thing is that the ESRB themselves replied to the tweet going, come on, Ed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is a great bit of uh, uh, censorship banter. See, sometimes sometimes Twitter's not all bad. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that... Um, that they've done a, a phenomenal job in, like, updating Mortal Kombat as a, as a modern fighting game, uh, and I think 9 and 10 were great, and I think that the storylines for both of them are fucking ridiculous in the best ways possible. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for more MK. We Let's talk first... about fucking Crash Team Racing, what the fuck? Yeah,
0: yeah there's that, there's the... There's... Dragon Age, we don't know what the proper name for the game is yet, but people are calling it Dragon Age the Dread Wolf Rises. People are happy about that. But yeah, Crash Team Mm. Racing, uh, Nitro-fueled, completely in the same way that the Insane Trilogy was. They've rebuilt Crash Team Racing completely for PS4 and other consoles, but they kind of just mentioned PS4 at the time.
1: Which, in fairness, I'm all for in terms of... um, Because there's really, like, the big three kart races. You had CTR, you had Diddy Kong, and you had... Uh, Mario Kart, and we're never going to see Diddy Kong um, in the live day again. And Crash Team Racing was uh, as kind of close to uh, kind of bridging the gap in terms of what Diddy Kong Racing does and what Mario Kart does. Um, so, and I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be more than happy to have a, a, a kart racer on the, on the PlayStation. So, um,. I you know as long as they don't fuck the collision detection the collision boxes in this one, um, mm. I I actually think that's a pretty cool announcement. Like uh, I know some people are very much um, against remasters and and HD releases and crying out there's no original content, but I mean, like Crash Team Racing was what literally twenty years ago, so I'm, mm. I'm more than happy for them to give this a, a once over and. Um yeah, I'm 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 all on board with that.
0: Yeah. Um let's just run quite quickly through the um the the winners here. I won't do I know usually when we do the key we do the nominees as well, but I think we'll just do the winners here. Um just tut, da, 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 I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna skip the esports other category. Um Greg Thomas from Visual Concepts, the people behind uh, under the, the, the two that are behind all the 2K games, uh, won the industry icon award. Uh, then proper <clears throat> game awards here, skipping esports. Sorry, esports fans. Best debut indie game. In though. fairness,
1: I will say I very much enjoyed uh, 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 Sonic Fox's. Uh, yes, it was very endearing. <laughs> and how mad he's making everybody
0: online since? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. feed off it. I feed off their misery. Um, best debut indie game won by the Messenger, which is a game I still need to play. Same. Uh best. Best student game, Combat 2018, from the Inland Norway University of Applied Sciences. That's niche. <laughs> best multiplayer game, Fortnite, shock horror. Uh, yeah, come on, All right. Best sports racing game, Forza Horizon 4. Best family game, Overcooked 2. Best strategy game, Into the Breach. Uh, best fighting game, Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, best RPG, Monster Hunter World. Best action game, Dead Cells. Best action adventure game, God of War. That's best really...
1: V... By the way, there's a very interesting one too there yeah, of yeah, action really game is. And action adventure.
0: I Whatever, mean... you do you, Keely. You do you. Yeah,
1: all
0: right. Uh, best VR AR game, Astrobot Rescue Mission. Uh, best mobile game, Florence. Games for Impact Award, Celeste. Uh, best independent game, Celeste. Best performance, Roger Clark as Arthur Morgan. Best audio design, Red Dead Redemption 2. Best art direction, Return of the Obra Dinn, which again is something I need to fucking play. Mm -hmm. Uh, Best score, music, Red Dead Redemption 2. Best narrative, Red Dead Redemption 2. Best ongoing game, Fortnite. It will never stop.
1: I Uh... I, I feel like best ongoing game should be kind of branded to best um, kind of what's the best way to approach it like the cynical um all games will now be oh what's the what's the term that they use um games like fucking um destiny games as a service games as a service yeah best games as a service is probably how they should label that yeah. Um and then the although, final what the fuck two- is No Man's Sky? <laughs> Sorry, just I've just realized. <laughs> well, it is technically ongoing. I, you know what? I guess it is. It did uh, have that big cool update this it year, did. I guess. Yeah, although I feel like uh, as as noble as that all is, part of that still feels like any kind of update to that feels more like a, a necessity to just like look, please just fucking like this game and stop bitching about its release two, three years ago now. <laughs>
0: We want to come out of hiding now, please. Yeah, something like
1: that, yeah.
0: Uh, The final two categories, best game direction and game of the year, both won by Dad of Boy. Um, Yeah, so that's the Keeleys for this year. Uh, Moving swiftly on, dude, this poster came out this year as a fucking nightmare factory of a poster uh, for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And that is one buff, weird-ass-looking silhouette in that. Oh, (sighs) boy. I I actually like I it's here in front of me and I keep scrolling down and scrolling up. I can't look at it directly for too long.
1: Sonic's gonna fuck a princess in this, isn't he? I I,
0: I, I, I don't I don't want to even want to speculate. Like this is going to be the whatever bit how funny and charming and weird we all found the Detective Pikachu trailer. This is going to be just haunting. I think.
1: What uh, what. What it reminds me of, um, did you ever see anything of the, um, I can't remember its exact name, but someone created a sort of spoof parody of uh, unreleased 90s Sonic games um, that included the likes of Sonic Movie Maker and, um, God, what the hell was the other one? Um, Sonic's, like, Neighbor or something. And there's a bit in the last game um, where... I won't spoil it. You should just go and watch it. But there is a, a figure that appears that isn't, you know, too dissimilar in terms of the body shape to this Sonic. Like when you think of Sonic, you think of, or for me personally, I think of like the original two D sprite of Sonic, very kind of short, stubby, kind of cute, mascot friendly. This is not that. This is. uh Ooh. It's <laughs> kind of has like elements of Shadow the Hedgehog, Edge Lords ps2 era type vibes to it this, this is proper this angel daddy's hedgehog and uh I, I part of me can only hope that it's just this is purely here as uh, like they gave the sonic the sonic the hedgehog twitter account just like here go make something meme worthy because the sonic the hedgehog twitter account is actually fantastic for that kind yeah. of stuff
0: um, um the before we move on best part of this poster at the very top the words from the producer of the fast and the furious yeah i know fucking
1: perfect yeah it's <laughs> well um, on so
0: many levels i just want him to turn around and just go
1: this is a family <laughs> uh i don't know what that film is gonna be you know
0: i know what it's not gonna be good uh, yeah you put out not hearing any uh, for a single second my friend right moving on uh uh video game legend and galway resident john romero has announced doom's spiritual successor sigil announced it on the 25th anniversary of doom which happened this week uh, so it's an as he says himself an unofficial spiritual successor uh to ultimate doom's fourth episode uh the announcement comes 25 years on from the 10th of december 1993 the day the original doom launched um, Sigil contains nine single player and nine deathmatch levels, and we will be released for free in mid february twenty nineteen. As a megawatt, you'll need the original doom, not the remake to play it. Uh, so he streamed it on Twitch. um you can go have a look at it. Um, and kind of the rest of this article here is more about kind of doom and stuff like that. But what do you think about the idea of a spiritual sequel to doom? Coming from John Romero, I didn't think we'd we'd see him retread uh, on on Doom after all these years.
1: Um, no, but uh, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I mean, you are of the two of us um the the doom fanboy here shall we say yes yeah. as, as, even though i was the one that was like no doom is fucking game of the year not hitman anyway um <laughs> what, what do you Still think? mad about it yeah a little bit <laughs> what do you what do you think of it? you You talk to me do you feel like anyway this is um kind of riding the coattails of the kind of the reemergence emergence of, of doom I mean, as i mean I yeah but also
0: <laughs> also
1: It's It's John John fucking Romero. He he
0: came up with the game in the first place. There's two people on this earth that are allowed to ride the coattails of Doom, and it's John Romero and John Carmack. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if anyone's going to try cash in, it's the dudes who fucking put the first one on this earth. Um, So, yeah, that part I'm fine with. Like, I don't know if it's something I necessarily needed, because I think Doom and Doom 2 by themselves are fucking perfect. And I think that series has evolved into something while faithful to the original, it's it's some it's an entirely different beast itself, the the modern Doom and the upcoming Doom Eternal.
1: Yeah. And um, in fantasy, he still we, needs to make up for Daikatana, so Yeah. Yeah.
0: We we didn't necessarily need it, but it's John Romero who's a fucking cool ass motherfucker with a glorious mane of hair. Uh and he's making a Doom esque game. So I look I I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna check it out in February, that's for sure. And as you uh, said, if-
1: he's in Galway so he's one of yours technically.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's one of our own. Uh, I didn't think we get him uh, doing anything. But what was that game he made with his son? Uh, Gun,
1: Gunman Taco Truck. Something like that, yeah, which looks yeah. very much kind of like a, a sort of um, third-year project at Game Design University, you know? Indeed. Um,
0: here's one that I didn't necessarily think I would ever hear spoken out loud uh sega's classic on rail shooters panzer dragoon one and two are getting a full remake courtesy of polish publisher forever entertainment um i fucking haven't thought of the name panzer dragoon in a long time this was the quote-unquote killer app for the sega
1: saturn back in the day a console i never owned uh mark i feel like killer app and sega Saturn are kind of like oxymoronic statements
0: you needed to see the size of the air quotes i was doing when i said that
1: my friend <laughs> okay all right fair enough great big honking fucking air quotes see, this is that. this is the problem with us not recording in the same room anymore
0: yeah what what are your thoughts on the return of panzer dragoon
1: all right so i i i've never i guess I've, we've never spoken about our histories when it comes to the sega Saturn. uh i had a friend who, uh, well, I say friend, he was a person I knew Who had one, whose house I would go around Because he had a Sega Saturn and I wanted to play it um, And I remember the likes Of Nights into Dreams Which in hindsight actually is a bad game Thank you Jeff Gersman for clarifying that for me <laughs> um, Clockwork Night, I think it was called Which was this okay-ish Average platformer um, And then um, Some f- combination there was, I think there was a Sega Rally game which I enjoyed Um, and uh, Virtua Cop, which was awesome. I never played Panzer Dragoon, but I have, over the years, heard of the uh, the legend that is Panzer Dragoon 1 and 2 and Panzer Dragoon Saga, which um, the famous story is that apparently the source code for that game is now lost, because, you know, how the fuck does that happen? I don't know, it's... I can see how, for its time... It was heralded as this big. I think it's one of those things that when you buy a console like the Sega Saturn, you kind of do have to justify um, that it's this great thing, and therefore, you know, anything that comes for it that comes out for it that is okay. You kind of put on a slightly higher pedestal.
0: So it's essentially Shenmue. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty, pretty much that. But it does have a, a very unique style to it um, and a very unique. Um, just very kind of unique flair to it. So, like, considering the the, the faith and, and care that has gone into a lot of the HD remasters we've seen uh, over the last couple of years, uh, from the likes of, you know, the recently released Spyro to fucking like, how incredible the Resident Evil 2 remake looks, um, mm. I think that, uh, you know, if it comes out and, and it's got a bit of buzz behind it, um, and it looks like a 2018, 2019 game, the, um, I, I could see them actually kind of getting a, obviously the people from, from before that, um love the game when it first come out, but people like me who kind of know of it and know of the, the kind of legend of it, like if it gets any kind of decent review scores, it might be a thing that I'd be interested in, uh, in, in giving a, giving a shout, I guess. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: But and for one- you, just nothing, just nah, no, no. no.
0: And like, I'm, it tickled me yeah. <laughs> to, to hear that it's back but i have no attachment whatsoever so fair play to anybody that uh i mean
1: it's when we get to oh wait no there was a bubsy uh, hd re-release wasn't there i mm-hmm. think that was a thing that happened god just i hate video games
0: <clears throat> um speaking of you hating video games super smash brothers ultimate uh is switch's biggest uk launch yet and the best ever launch for the series. Smash Bros. Ultimate has punched its way to the top of the UK charts with the best ever launch for the series and best ever launch for any Nintendo Switch game. In its first weekend of release, Smash Brothers sold more physical copies than Zelda, Mario, and even the combined sales of the two Pokemon Let's Go splits. Uh, it's also the best UK launch for any game in the Smash series, more than 300% higher than the Wii U version. That's not surprising considering I think you and I are the only people who ever owned one. Um, And more than 60% higher than Smash Bros. Brawl on the Wii. Um, And that's without any digital sales counted. Um, It's a stunning result for not a much needed one if Switch is to make its ambitious year-end hardware sales targets. Uh, You know, we talked about how, you know, they, they, they came out of the gate strong last year with Zelda at launch, Mario by Christmas, but I think we we underplayed this year the one two punch of a Pokemon game and a Smash Brothers game right before Christmas.
1: Is See, just
0: I, system selling.
1: Yeah, well I I haven't looked into um the, the Let's Go Pokemon games because I feel like I don't know, I feel they were somewhat um underplayed. I don't know if that's just hmm. me or maybe I'm somewhat out of the bubble now when it comes to, to Pokemon. Um, but you know if it had been uh the the kind of like absolute new Pokemon game for the switch that made that you know conversion to 3 d or whatever i feel like it'd be a much much bigger one too yeah um
0: i think because a lot of the the people at least that they're aiming the switch at probably weren't around when fucking pokemon yellow came out that it is for that age group it's a whole new pokemon game possibly but for the people who are talking about it in our kind of echo chamber on twitter and on like video game websites and stuff like that it's just a it's a pretty like and i'll tell you because i played it like it's it's a really good remake of pokemon yellow but it is pokemon yellow um, with some Pokemon Go functionality put in there, yeah. um, so that's probably why it sailed under a bit. Here's one for you, Mark. That was on. It was the Easy Allies podcast, which I enjoy listening to quite a bit. They talked about this, and this staggered me. Now, you know of the of the the, the regulars on this podcast, I would be the, the high man on Smash Brothers games. Generally, I quite enjoy them.
1: That is absolutely by default. <laughs> so,
0: since the first Smash Brothers came out every iteration of smash brothers has outsold every iteration of zelda released since the first smash brothers on the same console the gamecube i think smash brothers melee is the top selling game on gamecube um still to this day um brawl outsold the fucking skyward sword um fucking this is outselling uh breath of the wild it's just mad that we would think of Smash Brothers as kind of like, even though I enjoy it, I think of it as a kind of oh, it's a fun game, but I wouldn't consider it a core Nintendo game, but it is. it's a system seller in a way, a lot of Nintendo franchises aren't. And I think like I don't want to confidently say it, but I think it it it's outsold some of the main Super Mario games as well um in that interim period since the the first Smash Brothers game. So it like, you know, like it or not, Mark it's an absolute fucking juggernaut for them
1: yeah i look I, i've um i've made a major piece for this i no. no i've made my piece with it no i was just gonna say i've i've made it quite clear um my feelings on smash over the years um i've never really enjoyed it as a fighting game um and those that enjoy smash i think are garbage some people, people are, and that's some fine but people, some people are afraid of fun mark yeah yeah fuck you <laughs> and uh fine whatever um I do. I genuinely. I. I, I can see. I, I'd be honest in saying that, uh, even I sometimes don't take into consideration or appreciation uh, how massive Smash is, and that um, that when I think about like what are the games for the Switch um, that are going to be system sellers, um, and um, you know what are the games that what is a particular game that people are just waiting till it comes out before they buy the Switch. Smash would go over my head until someone reminds me of it, partially because yeah. I'm just never trying to think about Smash. Um, and yeah, I, like, the, this has come out, and I'm not surprised at all. Like Everyone I work with, everyone I know has been banging on about Smash, um, and everything I've seen for the last fucking six months on Twitter has been about Smash, and here's a new character that's coming, out, uh, yeah. here's a new another character. Um, so in terms of like the marketing and the awareness for it, uh, I'm not surprised by the numbers that I'm seeing.
0: Um, and Roy is in it
1: And Roy is in it And you know what, I think I did say that if Roy was in it I'd probably be slightly more inclined to play it um, Or to, you know, make it my game of the year Because uh, <laughs> I don't think he's still been included You've heard it here first <laughs> Has has he been included in Mario Aces yet? Uh, no, I don't no, think so Then, there you go So <laughs> um, maybe he'll appear in Celeste And then, you know, this will be fine But Ah, <laughs>
0: uh, good stuff
1: um (laughs) final final story of the week um abzu
0: studio giant squid unveils a new forest adventure called the pathless now i wasn't i liked abzu but i wasn't kind of hugely wild on it this is the it's from the it was from the art director of journey and i kind of just saw it as like oh it's it's swimmy journey and it you know it's fine but it's just doesn't have the didn't have the impact on me that journey did journey was a very special experience and i i enjoyed abzu for what it was but it just wasn't quite at the same level um i'm enjoying the look of pathless though and it it um very much i probably could have figured out if you said you know who who's designed this i would say this this feels like it's coming from a that kind of similar uh point of view what what do you think of the look of this
1: yeah, I think it looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, I didn't actually play Abzu; um, mm. it, it passed me by. I remember it was mostly just because because you had spoken about it, and um, I was interested because it does it did have that kind of journey vibe to it. But you were like, "It's okay, but nothing more than that." Uh, mm. But this this looks. Uh, I'm hoping that this reviews really well because it it looks like something I'd, I'd really want to play. So um, yeah, I'm 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 interested. I'm excited by this.
0: Yeah, best keep an eye out for that one. Anyway, that's the news out of the way. Uh, Let's move into the book club where for the second week running, we're taking a a kind of like bite-sized looks at a couple of the games that are uh, nominated for 2018's Game of the Year here at Link to the Cast. Um, This week, we've got three that we're going to do, and um, they are are different experiences, you might say. (laughs) This week, we're going to talk about Minute, Celeste, and Marvel's Spider-Man. Talk about
1: minutes! <laughs> I love this game
0: with with a great awareness of the irony of this. This will take more than a minute. Uh, I know. Right. Um. So it's an adventure game. It, it it's this game. I had heard about it. Kind of went to the back of my head, and then I think it was like Waypoint. I was listening to a Waypoint radio. And Austin Walker was like, yo, you got to play Minute. (laughs) You know, he's he's telling people, like, just fucking sit down and play Minute. And then I heard another podcast mention it, and I was like, I should probably, like, I should probably check out Minute. Then it popped up on sale on Switch, and I was like, do you know what would be a perfect game on Switch? Minute. So, downloaded it. I was right. And before I get too deep into what Minute is, I was playing Minute for a while. You came over one day, and uh, I said... Yo, you gotta play Minute. I just sat you in
1: front of Minute for several minutes.
0: And we were both
1: sold. Yeah, I mean, I should have known um, that Minute would be excellent um, because it was developed by uh, one half of Vlambeer. Who, when i think about it are actually genuinely i think one of my favorite game developers because they've made stuff like super crate box and ridiculous fishing and Luftrousers, mm. which are all just uh, like indie games that i've adored over the years um so i shouldn't have been surprised um by how much i would enjoy it minute and all i knew going in was that you know literally it was a game where you die every minute uh, or unless you Actively kill yourself so, beforehand.
0: Yeah, let's let's kind of uh, rewind to like it's to get people's head around what minute it is. It's essentially if like an early Zelda game was done on MS DOS, and yes, you die every sixty
1: seconds, regardless of what you what
0: you do in that sixty seconds.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things where you hear that concept and you kind of go how the hell is that meant to be an enjoyable experience? And I think I remember saying at the time um, that *Minute* is kind of like... It's a very condensed version of Majora's Mask in that there's always that panic of, uh, you know, time is running out, um, except it's not done quite on the the grandiose or or morbid scale that Majora's Mask is done on. Um, But it... Legend of Zelda, I guess, is the best kind of comparison to make. That um, it follows kind of certain rules and conventions that you would see in a in a top-down Legend of Zelda game, where you know, get item A to fit into this here to further on your adventure. It's it's
0: MacGuffin quest.
1: It is MacGuffin quest, except that it, where for the most part, um, the the Legend of Zelda uses kind of like uh, logic to. Uh, it applies logic to the rules of doing A to B to C. Uh, Minute kind of goes a little bit mad with it with some of the objects that you can get and like how those objects are applied and what they do. Um, it has certain objects that make sense, like hey, here's a torch or here's you know a form of light so you can see to get through to the next area. Um, but it's very much just one of those games of just pure trial and error um, because you don't have enough time to uh, you know you're never gonna have enough time to kind of totally figure out what you need to do so you just kind of have to take screen by screen to just kind of figure out like okay, what can i do within this environment that i have for the 60 seconds uh, mm. which causes the kind of like mini Madura's mask moments of panic where you like have those last five seconds where you finally figure out oh that's the thing that i need to do ah fuck i'm dead but because you only have a minute or because you know uh, you you instantly uh die and you instantly kind of come back to life the, the environments you're in are are within you know easy enough reach that you can get back to where you were before and, and carry on and you know, just kind of bit by bit those pigeon steps of of taking you from um, one uh, problem to another um, and yeah just it has that kind of sort of Atari 2600 MS DOS type uh, kind of presentation to it but it's you know, there are those that are sick of the, the kind of retro vibe aesthetic, but I, I can't think of a visual style that would complement this type of game more than what it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's so paired back and simple. And even the 60 second concept, even though it's not something that we've seen necessarily done and done to that, it's it's such a simple concept as well that you're just kind of in in awe of what a kind of raw adventure experience it is um and in the way that you know the the gameplay the minute-to-minute gameplay isn't that difficult it's not like you have hordes of enemies you need to fight off and the, the combat is difficult or anything like that the difficulty comes not only from the 60 seconds but as you said the the bizarre internal logic of minute and the way the puzzles work and um what what is you become very adept very quickly at what the most efficient use of your 60 seconds is. And you find yourself being able to get a lot more done than you thought you would in 60 seconds. And even though the timer is ticking and you can't really like faff about and stop and smell the roses or anything like that, you also don't feel like I, I, i don't know it's really tough to describe when you haven't played it you know it's 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 this experience where even though you're on a clock and you're being rushed and you're breathing past things you don't feel like you're missing out on anything either you're feeling it it, it's this. you feel constantly like you're experiencing the cliffhangers at the end of an episode of a tv show you like you know you get to there's about five seconds left on the timer and you get to the new puzzle and you're like oh what the fuck is this oh dead and now you have to figure out the quicker and more efficient way to get to that place again so you have more time to figure that out every single run and it's kind of like another game that's uh, that we've talked about on the show this year uh, in Dead Cells and it's that every single run you do in Dead Cells and every single run you do in Minute gives you just enough that you really enjoyed it and just enough to make you do one more run all the time um, and I think I blasted
1: through most of this game in like a day or two um, um. Like it does have um a, a number of puzzles, and it got me stuck at a number of points for a while because uh, I, I couldn't you know figure out like what the next thing I had to do was. So, um, it's not a thing that, and that might have just be me, but it's not a thing that you, you'll blast through in like two hours. Um, certainly, like once you've played it enough, uh, I think you can do. I th- there's a, a trophy to. Uh, have done the game in the minimum amount of runs possible and I think it's like 24 deaths or something insane like that because the first time you play it you'll die probably a good uh, two, 250 to 300 times uh, and you're kind of like how the hell do I do this in only uh, 24 uh, runs but it is possible um, and yeah I just I think that it has a, a wonderfully unique art style uh, it's another game where the soundtrack um, is just full of absolute bangers like i yeah. i remember you were looking at me just as the game loaded up and this just music was playing at me and the, the just kind of as i was unraveling each part of the, of the level and you just saw me as like yeah i think he's gonna like this this is very much a <laughs> yeah. mark robinson tm game right up your straza my uh-huh.
0: friend speaking of right up your straza this is the oh. point at which i sit back because this is a game i'm only about five or ten minutes into myself oh, and it's my kind of version of uh, the way you're trying to catch up on a few games every game of the year. So this is the one I'm trying to catch up on. Give me your your best five minutes on uh, Celeste.
1: Oh, only five minutes to talk about Celeste. Okay, I'll do my best. Um, The incredible thing about Celeste, and I'm kind of repeating myself because this is what I said at the time, and it's what I say to anyone, is that not only did they make one of the best platformers I've played um, in a long time, that, and this is the platforming prodigy speaking. This is the platforming prodigy speaking that is right up there with your uh, Marios, your Meat Boys, your Rayman Origins, you name your platformer of choice. What it does that those those don't do that I didn't think was a thing that was possible is it incorporates a uh, meaningful story that is uh, very well written that doesn't actually get in the way of the gameplay because mm. one of the challenges with a game, with a, a game like a platformer is you, you trained basically like I feel you, you're trained to, to just not care about, you know, like a Mario game, you have what? 30 seconds of plot and then that's it, you know, off you go. Um, where with Celeste, it has its elements and it, it kind of lets you know pretty much from the get go that this is actually trying to do something different. Um, and Celeste is uh, its a game and a story about this uh, woman who is um, climbing this mountain for what really seems not of a reason than just to kind of prove a point to herself to overcome um, a lot of her own doubts about herself. Uh, and over mm-hmm. the course of the game, you realize that this is just one big metaphor for overcom- overcoming um, said obstacles. And... Um, She meets uh, several different people along the way who either tell her that she can't do this or um, have their own doubts and fears and insecurities. And you just end up with this really beautiful little package that um, discusses depression and self-esteem and anxiety um, in in ways that I just didn't think were possible in a platforming game but actually is enhanced by the fact that it's a platforming game and, you know, you have, like, this bit where the um, the other side of you who's telling you, hey, you can't do this, um, is then an obstacle in a number of levels where um, they kind of ghost you from about two or three seconds behind. And if you crash into them, then you start the level over again. Uh, just kind of little things like that. Um but then I'd be remiss if I didn't point, you know, make note of the fact that um, Celeste has some of the most difficult platforming sections I've ever encountered. Um, and But it's not difficult in that uh, broken sense of uh, design. It's all, like, wonderfully crafted level design, all in that... Here's uh, an obstacle. Here's it being introduced to you in a very easy way. And here is that mechanic now expanded upon with loads of other little bits and pieces thrown in along the way. Um, I've still not 100% completed Celeste. Um, yeah. though. It sounds like that's not an easy thing to do. No, because you have uh, like all the normal levels, then there are the B-side levels, and then there are uh, C-side levels. And... Um, I got pretty much up until the absolute last level of the game and I just tapped out because it was asking me to do this double jump boost feature with additional other things. I was like, I I literally cannot do this, but you know what? I'm perfectly content with where I'm at. Um, and I realized actually that one of the things I, I don't think I included it in my kind of moments, or maybe I did. And I included like just Getting any, just being any B-side level on um, on Celeste, but also like the final part of the game, kind of in the normal mode, where you just you're climbing up the mountain um, and just getting to the top. Uh, it it's a very much feels like an accomplish accomplishment, um, and just again tied in with the story and how it the story tells itself without ever getting in the way of the gameplay. Um, yeah i didn't think was a thing that was possible uh, and was done yeah. it was done so well and again soundtrack like it's one of my soundtracks of the year
0: um i suppose we'll, we'll wrap this up then with with spider-man and this is a game that much as kind of you, you've talked a bit about um celeste before i've talked exhaustively on this program about spider-man so i'll try and keep this short and sweet um spider-man is is on the list for game of the year not because it reinvented the wheel Um, Not because it um, has kind of pushed the open world genre in directions that it hadn't gone before, but because it has a lot of difficult kind of plates to spin and does all of it remarkably well. I think it's an excellent superhero game, which is something we haven't always seen. You know, it seems like uh, comic books and superheroes are something that would naturally lend themselves to excellent games. It's not always the case. Yes, we have our our Arkham Asylums. Yes, we have our infamous games, but you know, it the quality kind of drops precipitously off after that. Um, so it, it is a great and faithful. Um, comic book superhero type game. Um, that really delves into the the spider lore and really enjoys itself. You can tell it was crafted with a lot of love for the lore and the character. I think it's one of the best representations of Spider Man I've seen off the page. Um, better than a lot of the, the takes on him in in films and the like have been. I think it's a tremendously fun game to play. Um. Like I said, I I don't think it was, you can't point to it as being like the technical marvel that Red Dead or God of War was. Um, It didn't say move me to tears necessarily at any point. But honestly, I can't think of more genuine, just fucking fun I've had this year than just swinging around New York City uh, as Spider-Man. I think it, it suffers a little bit from being an open world game in as much as it's gotta pack the world with a lot of side quests, some of which are tend to end up being variations on a theme, particularly if you make the mistake a lot of people did and they kind of just right, I'm gonna clear out all of this type of side quests. So if you do them one after the other after the other, they even, they become more repetitive. Whereas kind of if you're tempering them with kind of I'll do a few story missions and then I'll do a few side quests if you kind of do it that way, balance it out a little bit, I think it turns out better. Um, I think it's a really good-looking game. I think they've gone for an art style that isn't kind of um, 100% realistic, 100% cartoony. It's the kind of one where um, it looks just like a really good comic book moving uh, about. I think the boss bottles in it are really fun and clever without being too unbelievably challenging because i don't think people who are tuned in for a superhero game a comic book game marvel game they're not looking for kind of dark souls boss they're not looking for a celeste b-side level challenge they're looking for kind of i want to be challenged because it's a boss but i i also want you know i want to be able to get to the end of the fucking game um so i think they they hit that balance right um i think it's some of the best writing in a game this year um both the the arc with mr negative who's your primary protagonist throughout um i i think the the writing the characterization of the likes of aunt may and miles morales and peter parker himself are fantastic and i think worth special mention um are what they do with norman osborne better known as the green goblin people who aren't deep into their spider-man stuff um and Absolutely number one with a bullet in terms of how they've built the character, Otto Octavius, Doc Ock. Uh, I think they do uh, a really kind of the way they do his, because it's not a Spider Man origin story, but in a way, the first two thirds of the game are the Doc Ock origin story. And the way they do the slow burn on that character and sl- like. You can see the cracks starting to show and every subsequent time you meet him because you're working in his lab and every subsequent time you see him there's a little bit more of a hint that something's a bit rotten in the state of denmark and if you take time to kind of pour through all the stuff that's on the wall in the labs every time you come back there's something a little bit more where you're like oh oh is this a prototype for maybe the you know the 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 octopus arms um is this something to do with the sinister six you're 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 like it layers it in and then he's this kind of because he is, he's a very tragic figure in in, in spider-man and i think they do really well with him uh, much as they do well with the kind of subversion of i think because they do so well with otto you're thinking for a lot of this game that that's what's happening with norman osborne as well you think oh when's he gonna crack when's goblin gonna show up and fuck some shit up and they stay their hand on that um I, I think in a way that's really well done. that by the end you're and you're like, oh, okay. You're almost more surprised that the sucker punch didn't come than you would have been if it did. Um so yeah. L- love Spider-Man. Um great story, great fun. That's the that's the thing I definitely want to hit home. It's just fucking fun.
1: Yeah, I, I I can't argue with any of that. I mean I um you know I came in um as I come into most of these games um aware of spider-man um and have watched spider-man but i wouldn't say i'm like i'm a hardcore fan um mm-hmm. but certainly i'm have not enough, a spider fan yeah but i certainly have enough knowledge on um the the lore and the characters to kind of see where things are going and enjoy that um development i think the thing for me more than anything else is because i don't really have any um experience with uh Miles as Spider-Man other than just knowing that you know that's a thing that happens at some point seeing that yeah. development and seeing that story arc that was actually my favorite part of the game was, was mm. his um development um I, I really I really kind of gravitate to gravitate towards his story um and yeah. you know the kind of like uh, it's one of the kind of ending uh, sequences uh, one of the ending cutscenes uh, I really appreciated. so yeah I, you know as a, a game to just in terms of the flying around the city um and slinging your web and like that that's never not fun um and as you uh upgrade and get all your abilities uh you can just zip across the city in no time whatsoever oh, um, the combat is really fun as well sorry as you oh, mentioned yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, the, the combat yeah. is
0: really kind of like it's such a sharpened version of that Arkham combat yeah it's it's great uh
1: it's yeah i mean there are complaints you could make that it's it's you know, very much like the Arkham combat, but you know, it takes that and it does things with it. And yeah. it sometimes you don't
0: need to reinvent everything. You know, no,
1: I mean, there are aspects of the game that, um, and I've mentioned this when we were talking about the game at the time, that feel very much too much um, that they've mm-hmm. taken elements of Arkham and not just about the combat um, that I don't feel yep. fit really in place with Spider-Man. But yep. regardless of those um i enjoyed it from beginning to end um i think that it's definitely a worthy contender like if you tell me that spider-man was the favorite the best the best game that you played this year your favorite game of the year um i'm not going to argue with that Mm. um i do think there are games that i enjoy more either because they brought something different to the table um or um just I I think my my thing for some of the games that I'm looking at this year are because they've done something a little bit different um, either on a a pre-existing idea or concept um, or otherwise and I think that Spider-Man is it'd be a very safe option um, because I don't Mm -hmm. think it it does enough uh, as uh, enough new things basically but you know in terms of taking uh, what's come before in terms of uh, you know creating an open world spider-man game it, it is fantastic
0: yeah absolutely and with that we'll bring this week's uh, episode episode 130 to a close uh next week our last one before the crimbo uh we'll finish off with our last few nominees uh get the the honorable mentions in um, and yeah, that, that'll that be that. So keep an eye out for that next week. Again, I'll just do a brief plug. Go to uh, twitter.com forward slash link to the cast and check the pin tweet there to go in and vote for your faves for game of the year to help us break our ties if we need to. Um, yeah, that's it for episode 130. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcast platforms. Just search for link to the cast, subscribe, rate, review. It all helps. Tell a friend, please um the website is linked to the cast.wordpress.com if you want to get in touch with us drop us an email linked to the cast at gmail.com but the probably the quickest way to both get some feedback and to hear about our latest content as it's posted you don't want to miss one of those game of the year shows that's for sure um facebook.com forward slash link to the cast and that link to the cast on twitter our social media platforms where we post our latest content individually on twitter i am at the day to dave and mark is at lithium project if games aren't your only interest we have a couple of other podcasts that come through in this feed uh the grap up which is our once in a while pro wrestling podcast we just did one of those kind of talking about the back half of the year how we feel uh wwe is going or not going as the case may be our thoughts on the independent scene and the wwe uk contract quagmire Uh, and then some of our faves of the year and things you should be watching. Uh, So go check that out. It was only just a couple of weeks ago. Scroll back in your podcast feed and it should be right there for you. Uh, The other podcast is the Popcorn Social, myself and Jack's uh, Sometimes Movie Podcast um that we're hoping to get back to we've we've got not only a christmas special that we want to do but we did promise on the last program that we were going to talk about gone in 60 seconds and we can't leave people we can't break that promise and not talk about gone in 60 seconds so uh if for nothing else than talk about uh nick nick cage dancing to lowrider we we need to return to that program for that um yeah so um for Link to the Cast, episode 130. I have been Dave Ryan. The man on the line here has been Mark Robinson. We shall see you all next week. Goodbye.